Good day, everyone, and welcome to The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. If you'd like to learn more about our international ministry, go to traincpe.org, and to learn about our local church fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today, I received a report. It was from a pastor we had an opportunity to train who works in a country where it's illegal to share the gospel. He shared with me the identities of four individuals that he has in turn trained in the principles of our ministry, and under each of these identities, the names of two or three individuals who these four had led to Christ and have begun discipling. All of this has happened in the last four months. Our ministry focuses on helping Christians develop an identity as an intercessor among their close friends and family, and then how to dialogue with them intentionally and meaningfully to bring them to an understanding of the gospel and its call to faith. In communities where the public expressions of the gospel are suppressed, this is an essential way forward for the witness of the church. Let me encourage you to pray for these pastors who are serving in these difficult places. Now for our lesson for today. We once again turn back in our archives about 20 years where we are considering from Scripture biographical sketches of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. Simon was dedicated to destroying anyone who got in the way of his party's agenda that Israel might be free from all foreign powers and influence. When Simon heard Jesus speaking, Jesus was saying everything that would get a zealot's blood boiling in rage. But somehow, by the work of the Spirit of God, Simon the Zealot believed in Jesus Christ and was radically transformed in following him. Yesterday we learned the lesson of Simon's life that you can never tell what God is doing in the heart of a person who hears about Jesus or hears from him. And today we press on to glean more lessons from the life of Simon the Zealot. You can never tell who is a likely candidate to follow Jesus. Don't be discouraged by the apparent prejudices of persons against God. You never know what may turn their hearts to Him. See this? You can never tell who is a likely candidate to follow Jesus. Speak to all in love. Be filled with hope for all men. And bring every kind of man and woman to Jesus Christ. Tell Him about them. Go before them. Listen, there is no personality, there is no type of mind, there is no character trait that disqualifies anyone from following Jesus. And God never makes a demand that a person must transform himself into some other person before he's acceptable for Christ. God never demands that this person ought to be something other than he is before he is ready to follow Christ. Jesus takes all kinds of people. And here was this zealot, this man, this bloodthirsty man, and in him Jesus saw one, a candidate, for his transforming work. And we need to understand something as well. I think part of the reason that Simon is called Simon the Zealot is because after Simon began to follow Jesus, he did not cease being zealous. That part of his characteristic, that part of his personality trait, that part of him that people interpreted as something that was nothing more than his sinful nature that would disqualify him ever from following God, that very part of him, God left intact. But now, Simon becomes passionate and zealous to love. And Simon becomes passionate and zealous to bring to people the message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. 
And Simon becomes passionate and zealous that all men, Jews and Greeks and Romans and Samaritans and all races and all peoples may be made whole and clean and know the joy of knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior and God. He was passionate that men, all men, might find mercy and escape judgment. He was always Simon the Zealot, but now he was a new kind of zealot, you see. See, we can't determine who is qualified to follow Jesus. God can work with any man. Next point is this. Let us remember that the transformation men need comes not from learning a new philosophy or political theory, that the transformation men need comes from meeting and knowing a person. Jesus is the message that we must bring to people. It is him that we must talk about. It's he that we must present. And we must talk of him not as a theory or as a historical figure. We must talk about him not as someone who's locked away into the past or someone who taught good words or someone who is some past voice that speaks out some guru-like wisdom to others. We must speak to him as he truly is, the present living Savior. We want people to meet our friend, our Savior, our Lord, the one we walk with day in and day out. Let us remember that men are not transformed by philosophies and by political theories and social agendas and therapies. Men are transformed by a person, and that person is Jesus. Thinking of Matthew and Simon the Zealot, remember this. Never determine the fellowship of the church based upon the unity of personalities. There it is. Never determine who's good in your church and who's not good in your church based upon the fact that we all share the same homogeneous pay scale, that we all live in the same community, that we all have the same basic bent and personality, that we're all type A people or type C people or whatever it is. That's not how it's determined. The church does not find its unity in personalities. The church finds its unity in a person who transformed us all and changed us. Jesus is the center and soul of our fellowship. He is the vine, Jesus said, and we are the branches. And Matthews and Simons can get plugged in and be united in him. Let me give this to you as the last one, and it's our conclusion. Never say that any man is beyond the transforming power of Jesus. Let me explain this to you. The truth is, Jesus died and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. Those are the historical facts. Those truths confirm different doctrinal truths. Jesus was the Son of God, that He came to earth, that everything He said was true, that He would die for the sins of the world, that He would bear your sins for you, and that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But all men, regardless of their sins, whether it's a great big sin or a little sin, it all tarnishes their life, all men may be made pure and holy before God, by inviting and receiving this Savior into their lives. He can transform them. He can make them new. These are the gospel truths that we teach. And then when we receive Jesus Christ, we become, the Bible says, new creatures. The Bible says old things have passed away. Everything's become new. That's what the Bible says. And we receive forgiveness, complete forgiveness for everything we've done. And God comes and lives in our hearts and He transforms us by His grace to mold us and shape us into new beings fashioning us into the image of Christ himself. And one day, the Bible says he's coming for us and he will bring us to be with him so that we can never be with the Lord in heaven. 
wonderfully changed and transformed. And the great joy of heaven will be that we will always be pursuing the infinite, eternal knowledge of God, always growing in our knowledge of Him. Those are the truths that we speak. That's what the disciples spoke. But let's understand something. There's power in a testimony. Ultimately, if we speak all those truths, but there's no evidence by a transformed life, it demonstrates that what we're saying is meaningless. Ultimately, the proof, you might say, is in the pudding, right? It's in the making. And so when men went out to declare all these truths, at the end of it, they declared what had been done for them. And so Paul tells his transforming story. I was one who was zealous to kill and put to death the Christians, those who were in the way. Now I'm zealous to bring this message to all men. Or the Gadarenean demoniac through whom 1,000 or 10,000 demons were cast out. That was in the region of Decapolis. Did you know that? And when Jesus first went there, he healed that man. We're told that the people of the area asked Jesus to leave because they were afraid of him, and Jesus departed from that area. But we're told that the men in the region of Decapolis began to go around and preach and declare his testimony in all those ten cities. You'll go back and you'll find that Jesus went back to the region of Decapolis, and now a great multitude gathers around him and is taught by him. And the second great multiplying of food that took place took place as Jesus was bearing the good news to the Gentile. And by the way, the region of Decapolis was a Gentile region. It was the ten Greek cities. Jesus brought the message of the gospel to these people, the Greeks, the Jews in this situation. Why? Because the proof was in the transformed life of the Gadarenean demoniac. Read in John chapter 9 the story of the blind man and the individuals came to the blind man and wanted to know his testimony and the blind man said this, his testimony is a testimony of a transformed life. He said, listen, I don't know all that's happened. I don't understand all the truth. I don't know exactly all the things. I haven't got all my theology lined up in a row, but this is what I do know. Once I was blind and now I see. And there's power in a transformed life and in a testimony. And we can never say that any man is beyond the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Just like Simon, the zealot, was not beyond the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Let me just share with you what tradition says happened to Simon the zealot. Now, probably very little of this is accurate because in those days, men liked to embellish it and tell great legendary stories around it. But around it, they were trying to wrap some basic truths they were trying to communicate. Now, the basic facts are probably true, and that is that Simon and another individual by the name of Jude were put to death by Persians when they were seeking to bring the gospel to Persia, which would be the area of Iran. Other traditions say that Simon first went to the area all the way up to the region of Spain and also went to the area of Britain, then ultimately came back into Persia. But what we're told was that as they were bringing the gospel in the area of Persia, Simon and Jude, that there were two magicians who were seeking to underwind their witness and constantly challenging them. And as they were challenging them, they were raising up persecution against them. And at some point in time, they came to a king within this land and they influenced this king with the gospel and the king gave his life to Christ. And then the king ordered that these two magicians would be taken hold of and seized and that these two magicians would be given a choice. Either they would be put to death or they would give their life to follow Jesus Christ. At which case, when this was suggested... Simon answered to the king, Our God does not ask for forced service. If one will not believe, they may go free. And we're told that these two individuals were set free. But they weren't thankful because they'd been set free, but became all the more aggressive in raising up resistance against Simon and Jude and their message. 
Finally, these two missionaries came to a town in which there was a great pagan temple that had serving within it 70 priests. And as they began to preach the gospel to the citizens that lived around this temple, these two magicians arrived and convinced the citizens that these two men were enemies of their gods and should be put to death. And so the members of the city grabbed Simon and Jude and they took them into the temple and there they led them up to put them to death within the temple. And while they were in the temple, tradition says that Jude says, I see the Son of God. And Simon said, Yes, I see him as well, and all of his angels. And his angel has said to me that if we flee from this temple right now, the temple will fall upon all these people, and they shall all be destroyed, and we shall live. But I have answered, Nay, for some may eventually believe in Jesus. And so we will choose instead the palm of martyrdom. And the tradition is that on that occasion they remained. They could flee and be saved, but others would die or they could remain and die themselves. Tradition says they were put to death within that temple in that particular city. Here's the point of the story, whether it's true or not. It illustrates something that wonderfully had transpired in his life. The point is that here was a man who would have before murdered people out of loyalty to Israel and zeal for the law. And this man became a man who understood that God does not force service to himself. And here is a man who once wished to obliterate all his enemies, and now he will not buy his life with the lives of others. That is the transforming power of Jesus. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.